Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's show. Um, you know, we have a, a special guest coming back on that we had on just 13 months ago. Uh, in November of 2022, we had the honor of having John Moser on, who John is the author of Link, which is the book. Uh, it's called Link. It's the fascinating way our minds connect. Great book. We'll have a we'll have a link to the book. Pardon my pun here at the sh- in the show notes. So please get on there and check it out. And interesting, John and I have stepped to, uh, have remained in contact over the past uh, 12 months or so, and we were on the phone a couple of weeks ago. And we had this really fascinating conversation about this one particular topic, which is dating apps. Now, I'm off the market for dating, and I haven't been on a dating app in years, in a few years. But I remember when I was, there were a couple times in my life when I was single and with my schedule and lack of desire to, you know, go to the bar and and meet somebody. I don't have a lot of other social outlets, um, especially when I moved up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan a couple of years ago. And I found myself meeting some amazing people all online. And I literally mean online. I had conversations over the phone. I had t- we exchanged text messages with amazing women. Never went on one date. Now, 18 years ago, when I was single, and uh, I was raising my son Dawson. He was three years old at the time, and I was single. I was on dating apps back then with Match.com, and I did the same thing. Now, I did go on two dates and met two amazing women, but for some reason, there was just something, they, 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 they checked all the boxes for me, both of them, and this was at two different time frames. I wasn't dating two women at the same time, but there was something there. I just, I, I don't know what it was. I, I couldn't pursue it any further, despite their desire to, despite me looking at them and saying, you're kind of everything I really want in life. And you're the kind of person I'd like to get to know better and maybe spend my life with. There just wasn't, it just the connection wasn't there for me. I didn't really realize why until a couple of conversations with John and, and that started, my head started spinning. And I think I found the answer. So we're going to let John come in here and he's going to introduce himself. Um, and you can go back to November of 2022 and find John's episode and listen to his original episode. Um, But I think he can answer a lot of questions for anybody out there who is maybe struggling with dating apps, um, maybe even just kind of struggling with making complicated choices in life. I think this is a universal topic that we're going to specify and focus a little bit more on just dating apps. But but anyway, enough of my talking. John, welcome again for the second time, my friend, to the Bamboo Lab podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Brody. It's really a pleasure to be back on this show. And as we talked about around Thanksgiving, I've just been so impressed with what you've done with this amazing platform and all seven continents now, almost 2,000 cities, just an incredible run. Great guests that have been on here and a lot to come. So, and this was not a plug, by the way. Brian didn't ask me to say this, but he's got some really amazing thought leaders coming up on his show in the next uh, several weeks into the new year. Definitely want to check those out. And so, Brian, as you mentioned, you know, the dating app uh, conundrum, as I like to call it, was something I never really even considered when I started using them. So a little bit about me, as some of the audience might know, if they watched, or I'm sorry, listened to the program last November, I read a book in 2012 called Link, which is the fascinating ways our minds connect. And it was a behavioral 
science-based book that also had a lot of neuroscience underpinnings as to how do human beings best connect to one another. And there's really four modalities for that, which is what LINK stands for, because LINK is a mnemonic. So the L is how well we listen with attentiveness to each other. It's not just a matter of listening. It's listening with more than just your ears, if you know what I mean. Uh, Then there's the I, which is involve your tribe, which means when you're getting to know people, especially in in an organizational setting, you should get to know everyone, the people on the margins and those who aren't as often heard. And then the end is latest nonverbal signaling. Actually, a headwind when it comes to dating apps. We'll get into that in a, in a little bit. And then the K is that as people, we should be trying to share information with others to help them. That's the knowledge flow. Like, I should share things with you that help you. It's not about me getting ahead. It's about what can I do? What can I share with others that helps them get ahead? So that's how the book was predicated. So fast forward to 2020. Two, actually 2021, I'll say that's when I took my dating sabbatical. So, December of 2021, I decided I'm kind of done with dating. It was really not working for me. I'd been single since 2015 when I went through my divorce. And, uh, you know, like you, I dated people off and on over the years, but nothing ever really stuck. So, finally, in uh, December 2021, I said, I've had a this dating thing. I'm taking a couple of years off of this. And I did. I took almost two years off. To kind of rethink dating, like, you know, date with intention, do it differently. I didn't even have a lunch date during that time frame. So August of this year, 2023, I had the thought, you know, okay, I'm ready. I, I really want to get back into dating. I like to meet a, a life partner. And so that was my intention. So I want to make sure that the context that I share today is around that uh, goal. Because some people use dating apps just to make friends just for something more casual, I was using it for the means of meeting someone that would ultimately become my life partner. Okay, so that's the reason I chose to decide to use them as sort of a cast-the-wide-net approach. So I would use dating apps, but I would also try to meet people organically, right? So it's just another means of meeting someone that you wouldn't be able to meet otherwise. So I used a couple of apps. I used Bumble, and I used eHarmony. And they're really very similar. You do the swiping right if you want to, you know, get to know them. If you find that person and like them, and you swipe left if you don't. That's kind of how a lot of the apps work. And so you're doing all these swiping. And I have to tell you, Brian, when I first started doing this, I didn't like it. It felt like I was on Amazon buying sweaters. You know, it's like you're you're looking at these people and you're swiping. It just never felt right. And I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not feeling the baby out with about what we're doing apps. I'm just saying that exercise of swiping just kind of never sat well with me. Did, and I don't know when you used them, was that in existence at the time you used them? I think it was two years ago when I was using, I think I used Match and Facebook dating app, Facebook date, uh, whatever the Facebook one is. I used that one and I think I used Match. I don't remember if it was swiping or not. Um, I never used Bumble or Tinder or any of those in the past. I'd considered it, but I never really, I, I didn't, uh, I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall. I think, yeah, so I think it just hit a heart, but maybe, maybe you did. Maybe you, if you didn't like the person you swiped and if you liked it, you hit the little heart button or yeah. thumbs up. Or yeah. It's similar to that. So one of the things I first thought about once this happened and uh, was this, well, first of all, as a person on a dating app, what are you trying to do? You're trying to really do three things if you want to 
uh, secure a long-term relationship with someone. You're trying to, as a man, signal that you have resources. Number two, that you're kind. And number three, that you have high intelligence. I mean, those are the three things you want to convey, I feel, as a man to a woman. Like, again, that you can deliver resources. You're someone who's responsible. You, you know, carry out of a, a job. You manage your finances well. Again, you can signal resources to that woman. Two, that you're kind. You know, you're a person who believes in kindness, treats people with equity, uh, and you're honest, and you, I can get rid of those kinds of things. And then third, that you're intelligent, that you're someone that wants to learn and grow, that sort of thing. Well, trying to convey all those three pivotal things through a dating app is extremely difficult. The first one is somewhat easier to do because you can signal your resources by your profile. I went to Johns Hopkins and did my graduate work. I in the biotechnology career, the book, you can, you can, you know, highlight some of those things that, yes, I'm a person who can signal resources, but you can't really, in these dating apps, get into a whole lot about how kind you are because they only give you short little uh, free-form feelings to share 200 characters or so about yourself, and they, sometimes they require you to answer certain questions, but you can't really get into a lot. You can't make a video of yourself. You can't explain things about yourself that show that you're kind. And some people might not even believe you anyway, because I'll say, well, anyone can say anything. And then as far as your intelligence, yeah, maybe you can signal some of that in the dating app, but it's a very difficult process. And one of the things that happens is a couple of headwinds come into play. And there are two. And then we can talk about the, the minor headwind, and then we'll get into the main one which is the paradox of choice. And that, as you and I were talking about earlier, affects many of areas of life, not just dating. But I'll talk about the first headwind that's, that's the more, it's not lawyer, it actually can be a uh, significant issue for people using dating apps, but it certainly does significant as paradox of choice. So here's what it is, it's a dopamine problem. So let's think about the Pavlov dog experiments. For those who are not familiar with that. It's a famous experiment done decades ago where the experimenter would ring a bell and then feed the dogs. And over time, the dog's brain became so conditioned to the bell ring that every time they heard it, it would salivate in anticipation of food. Okay, so it was proof that we can condition ourselves and actually have responses in our body just based on conditioning of our brain. So what is the bell of the dating end? It's the notification. Oh, I sent a message or I liked her profile, she just wrote me, and you get that message or you get that like, that's the bell ring. And then what happens is the dopamine's released in your brain. It's a feel good. And so that can become somewhat of a doom loop because you're out on a date with one person, but then you get home and you've got five or six notifications from your dating app giving you these dopamine hits, and you're saying to yourself, I was just on a date with Laura. I just got a notification from Angie. You know, Angie's got a nicer hairstyle than Laura just out there and oh cindy she just messaged me oh cindy she was the funny one and laura wasn't so funny tonight on the day so this is what happens and then we get sucked back in and now we're all day i'll go on a date with laura or, or, or cindy then you go on a date with cindy and then oh i get more notifications and see how this this is, becomes a deal it becomes a, a sort of a, a, a treadmill that you don't get off of because the brain is highly addictive especially the dopamine and a lot of people don't realize this, but not just dating apps, but a lot of apps on our phone are designed to evict us, to keep us coming back to the social media platforms. Because why? The notifications are a 
gene causes release of dopamine in our brain. You know, John, can I say something to that point? I, that dopamine thing right now, I mean, it is really the new addiction. It's probably the most widespread, oh, I'm sure without a doubt, widespread addiction in our country, if not the world right now. I remember, you know, I have, I was, I've got less active on social media over the past six months, um, and primarily because, especially Facebook, like I still post every day something that I write or I like, you know, something motivating or, or positive, but I don't post it. I probably post 30% of what I did a year or two, three years ago. And the reason that helped me was getting that damn Facebook app off my phone. I don't have it on my phone anymore. I took it off. I did that because a client and I were talking one Friday and he's like, yeah, I got off Facebook 12 days ago off my phone. And he said, it's been a game changer. So as we were talking, I said, I just did it. And I thought it would be difficult. Best thing I ever did. I don't miss it at all. Now I get on my computer and do Facebook, my post every morning, but it's more, it's a lot more, it's more work to do that. And, but I don't have the dings. I don't have the you know, I don't have that dopamine rush anymore. When I get on my phone, there's no notice, notices at all. I so 100% agree with you on that. The yeah, statistics currently, I looked these up before the show. So right now, 50% or greater of singles who are between the ages of 20 and 40 are meeting each other through dating apps. That's huge. Many, what's the percentage? 50% or greater between the ages of 20 and 40. This is their primary way of meeting someone through a dating app or using an app to try to meet somebody. And then between the ages of 41 and 60 is the largest growing population using dating apps. Okay, so I am in that 57, you know, well, maybe that 40 to 60 rate, right? And so that's a huge population using these things and running into this headwind. Now, what's also interesting is a couple of Long ago, well, it's not really a myth, it's more of a fallacy. So what am I getting at? And that is the whole meeting online versus offline. See, number one, there's this rampant use of dating apps. Like I just said, 50% in the age bracket of 40, I'm sorry, 20 to 40. And I don't know what the percentage was in the 40s and 60s. It just stated that that's the largest segment in terms of growth. Uh, but still, that's a lot of people using these things. But what has been shown by the Marriage Foundation study is that divorce rates have been falling. So in the U.S. and Canada, they're now down around 38% uh, from a high of in the 50% back in the 90s. I didn't. So, but that, yeah, divorce rates are falling, but also marriage rates are falling. So it's kind of like a, you get to look at the data a little bit more closely, right? So marriage rates are falling. However, what they are also showing is that those who meet and divorce, meet through dating apps, those divorce rates are almost 2x people who meet organic way. Okay. That's per the marriage foundation study done in 2022. Now here's the part about these kinds of studies where people see this, they get publicized. Look, you know, dating apps don't work. 2X divorce rate compared to meeting organically. The marriage foundation study said so, except you have to dig into the data a little bit. And here's where people need to understand that it's not meeting someone online. That's the issue. The reason the divorce rates higher for those who meet online in general is because of social capital. It's not because of the person you meet. In other words, you can meet a great person on Match.com or on eHarmony. In fact, I'm going to talk about, after I share this, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a date that I had on eHarmony that was absolutely amazing. 
It's the social capital. What is social capital? Well, if you meet someone online that lives, say, a couple hundred miles away, you have new connections with that person. Not through friends, not through school, not through your church, not through a social organization. They are out there. There's no social connections. So social capital would be if you met your girlfriend or boyfriend through a friend, through your church, through your school, you have social networks in those organizations. And those social networks help to bolster your budding relationship, right? You think about this. You know, if you, your best friend recommended a woman to you and you start dating her, well, she's got a friendship circle that overlaps yours. If you look at a Venn diagram, right, there's an overlap. So that creates a, a, a strength to that budding relationship. It's called social capital. If you don't have that, and this person is completely outside of your Venn diagram, they're not anywhere even touching it, that puts a lot of stress on a new relationship. So it's not, again, meeting someone online is bad. It's because of the lack of social capital. So you can actually help to uh, alleviate that problem. But if you do meet someone online through a dating app, try to in, in, uh, bring that person into your friendship circle as soon as you can. Maybe you don't want them to meet your children yet. I get that. But try to in, uh, incorporate that person in your in your social circles so that they begin to share some of the same friendships or some of the same things you do, because that will help to bolster that relationship because that is real. They look into the marriage foundation study. That social capital piece is huge. So that could give you a better chance of the relationship succeeding if you meet online. But the problem is some people just say, oh, if you meet online, it's, there's a stigma and that person's not going to be as good as someone you meet at home. That is not true. You can meet amazing people like you were mentioned at the beginning of the show. You met some amazing women on live. And so that's um, something I just wanted to bring up. John, can I just, just for the audience out there, I just want to share with you what I pulled up as the definition of social capital, but John explained. It's a set of shared values or resources that allows individuals to work together in a group to effectively achieve a common purpose. And honestly, that when you mentioned that to me a week or two on the phone, I had to look that up. I'm like, I've heard that term so many times, but I don't know if I ever knew the actual definition of it. So I wanted to share that for the people out there. And so again, there's all these you know fallacies, and I, I don't know if you had this happen to you when you were uh, using the online platforms. That if you meet online, there's like this stigma. Really? I mean, I can tell you from being single, there were uh, there was a person that was recommended to me. Uh, through a friend and was into photography like I was. So we met organically and we dated for about three months, but she didn't tell me that she was still married. She told me she was divorced and living with her father. Well, it's too well, what happened one day was I get a call from her husband because he had seen my number showing up on her phone because he had oversight of the, of the phone plan. And I said to the guy, uh, and she told me she was living with her dad and saying, well, he's like, oh no, we split up, but we're not divorced. We just had a, you know, a fight and she ran off and stayed at her dad's for several months. So my point is, is you can be a good person or a complete bozo organically as well. It's not just, I did an example. Um, or you can meet an incredible person online through a dating app as well. So I just want to sort of clear that air because there's so many people that still think, well, if we meet online and somehow it's not as good because the studies show the divorce rates are higher, it's because of social capital. It's not because of the person. Yeah, I think, John, too, you know, this is a good uh, episode for those people who have or are using dating apps, but maybe can't figure out why they weren't working for them and how they can make maybe they're how they can make it work for them more effectively. Like for me, I never knew why 
there, I mean, meet beautiful, uh, amazingly beautiful people. They seem to like me. I like them. But for some reason, I just, I couldn't connect to that next level. I really didn't know why until we didn't, you brought up the, the term paradox of choice to me, you know, a few days ago on the phone. And I'm like, eh, there it is right there. I mean, I think that's what it was for me. So and not to interrupt you, but I, I think this is a, for anybody out there who's, who's kind of struggling with that world of, I, you know, I want to find the right person. Which direction do I go? I don't have a lot of resources. Maybe when you were moved to another city where you don't have a lot of friends, family, and you've been trying dating apps, they haven't been working. Let's explore a little further and see what maybe you can do to make this a more effective process for you. So go ahead, John. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Hey, 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 no problem. Uh, I'm just going to share this quick story before I get into the paradox. Because someone I met on a dating app, um, we met in August and went on our date in early September. And this, at the time, was an incredible date. This woman, and I didn't message that much between each other. Her name was Jessica. And then she showed up at the date with this great idea of just answering some questions. It's, it's actually called 36 Questions to Fall in Love. It's, they're, they're written by a psychologist. I forget the guy's name off the top of my head. But anyway, she and I decided to do 18 of those 36 questions. It's almost her idea. It was phenomenal. Like, it was just one of the best first dates I ever had with anyone in my lifetime. This It was such a great experience. In fact, when I was in the parking lot after we had said goodbye, I called one of my mentors up and I just said, I just had the most amazing day ever. I mean, this woman was so interesting and this whole idea of answering these questions with each other, there were questions like this. Is there something in your life you've always wanted to do but never have done it? You know, and her answer was she always wanted to write a song. Uh, another question was, tell me about one of your most difficult life experiences. You know, things like, it was really great. And it, it was just a great way to learn about this person. And, and it was her idea to do this. So my point is, that's someone I met through you heard it. That's how I actually met Jessica. And it was an amazing interchange. This woman was highly intelligent. She's senior executive in her company and was just well-dressed. She showed up early. I mean, everything was like, as good as it can get from a first date perspective. And we met through a dating app. So my point is, is that kind of dispels this myth. Well, you can't read anyone good on a dating app. Oh, yes, you can. But here's where the major headwind is. This is what I'm going to get into uh, that we've talked about quite a bit, sort of alluding to. That is this paradox of choice because this is the big elephant in the world. This is the problem, not only in dating, but we'll probably get into some other areas of life where this presents its ugly head and really keeps you from making a decision. First, the paradox of choice was summed up in a book by the same title by Barry Schwartz in 2004. So any of the listeners out there, you can just go on Amazon or eBay and find the book for about three bucks. It's pretty cheap now. Uh, Barry Schwartz, The Paradox of Choice. Incredible book because it wasn't written about dating apps. They didn't exist in 2004, though there was online dating like Match.com uh, was around at that time and some others, but we were using smartphones then and swiping right and left and all that, but still there was dating sites online. But he didn't write the book I really about that. It was all about what we are faced with many choices at the same thing. The value of each individual choice becomes diluted in our mind. And I'll give a very simple example for your audience so that they can kind of make sense of this. So imagine that uh, you want to make deviled eggs for a party and you go to the grocery store to buy the mustard you need for the deviled eggs. And you're staring at 120 different brands of mustard on the shelf. Well, 
you're going to have to select one brand. And so you choose one, you get home, and then you're going to be like, did I pick the right one? There was 119 others I didn't choose. It becomes this almost um, asphyxiating thought process, and you actually become almost frozen. You start to doubt your choice. You feel a lack of um, certainty. And this happens all the time when we're faced with many choices of the same thing. And then, like I said, each individual choice gets deleted. So, like the mustard example, this is exactly what plagues a dating app. Because you're going on the dating app and you're swiping right on saying, and I'm going to speak as a man who is seeking a woman to connect with, you're swiping 30 women, and let's say five or six of them like you, or they write you back. Well, now you've got to make choices. And that's just like the mustard conundrum. Okay, wait a minute. I've got Susan, Nancy, Jessica, Lynn, Angie, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like all these people have now responded to you. Okay, which one do I connect with? Okay, they all are connecting with me. And we're, we're sharing messages. And maybe we're sharing phone numbers. And, and then I go on a date with Nancy, but then Jessica's messaging me while I'm on the date with Nancy. You see, where it becomes a paralysis situation. And what Barry Schwartz talks about in the book, which is so paramount, he just nails this. And he was kind of a prophet ahead of his time. Because this was way before the e-commerce revolution, where now we've got Amazon on our phones. We click an app and we could buy everything from, you know, daddy eggs on Amazon to all the ingredients you need for it in 30 seconds, right? We've just got this entire, uh, you know, commerce at our fingertips to swipe left and right on Amazon, buy anything we need. Well, here's what he said in this book, which I thought was amazing. He said, we would be better off if we embraced voluntary constraints on our choices. We would be better off if we just sought something that was good enough, but not perfect. We would be better off if we lowered our expectations about the results of our decisions. And we would also be better off if we had less choices of the same thing. So, when you think about dating, this is huge. So, what can we do to help people offset this problem because they might not realize it, but every time you're swiping and you're interacting with multiple people, you're being bombarded with the paradox of choice. You're having a difficulty to choose one person and get to know them because you don't want this back pocket mindset. Oh, wait a minute. If the date doesn't go so well with Susan, I've got Angie, Nancy, Jessica, I got all lined up, ready, waiting for me when I, when I get home. That creates a deal loop. So what I suggest people do, and this is something that I put into practice, is I call it the Whole Foods Solution. This is easy to remember. If anything, and when you're done listening to this podcast, just remember the Whole Foods Solution. It's a simple way of bypassing the paradox of choice when it comes to dating apps. As I am recording this, Brian, I'm looking down, and I see Whole Foods across the street from my condo building. And I love it because I just go down my elevator, I cross the street, and I can do my food shopping. And John, can you tell the audience where you're located again? I live in Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. Uh, downtown Annapolis, Rain City Center. It's about uh, 20 minutes west of Washington, D.C. I'm sorry, 20 minutes east. 20 minutes east of Washington. You're not going much further west. Yeah, you can't go much further west. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the Whole Foods is across the street from my building. So here's the Whole Foods solution. So it's a Friday night, and I go down to Whole Foods, and I'm in the produce area bagging up some apples. And a woman comes up next to me to also get some apples, and we strike up a conversation. 
and say her name is Jessica. I go, hi, Jessica, how are you? She goes, I'm okay. And we just start talking and I feel a vibe. You know, I feel a vibe with her. And uh, we keep talking and then uh, find out we're both single. And we end up, you know, talking some more. And finally, I just take the risk and say, look, Jessica, this has been a great conversation. Would you like to continue in a couple of days? There's the Boston, I'm sorry, the Baltimore Tea and Coffee's down the street. Would you like to meet there and have a chat? And she says, yeah, that'd be great. And we exchange phone numbers. And I go, oh, I'm going to be excited, right? Wow, I didn't expect to meet someone. I went down to buy apples. I met this woman, Jessica. She was really nice. We had a vibe. It was a great chat. I can't wait to meet her in two days at the coffee shop. Am I going to go back to Whole Foods, Brian, the next morning and stand by the produce area, by the apples, to meet someone better than Jessica than I just met the night before? And am I going to go back in the evening the next day? Is she going to do that? No. It sounds ridiculous, but that's what we do on dating apps. It's precisely what we do on dating apps. We meet a nice person, but we're going back on the app. We're swiping right. We're swiping right. And we're even got a date set up with someone, but we're still swiping right. We're still on the app. It's like going back to Whole Foods, standing in the produce area and expecting to be someone else the next day. That's lunacy. But that's what the paradox of choice does. So it's the, that the Whole Foods uh, solution is almost a form of voluntary constraints, really, because you that you're you're by doing it by next example, you're not giving yourself whether it's Whole Foods or wherever you are when you meet somebody. You, there there are, there are constraints around that. You have you have eliminated or at least uh, decimated to a great deal your options because like you said you're not going to go back to that place so by looking for situations where you can meet somebody in a situation like Whole Foods or wherever it might be you are constraining your options at that point Correct. so what I would do is if I connect with someone on a dating app and we've exchanged phone numbers and we've agreed to have a date you Turn the app off. You don't delete your account. You delete the app from your phone. There's no more ways for you to get notifications from other people. You've now sent this date, just like I met Jessica at Whole Foods. We're going to meet in two days. I'm not going back to Whole Foods to try to meet somebody else. I'm excited about meeting Jessica. I'm thinking about Jessica in my head. I'm not thinking about other people. And so if we have this happen, we meet a person that we feel some vibe with, although it's hard to feel a vibe on a dating app. That's the other thing. You don't have the nonverbal communication, and that is one of the headwinds as well. Vibe is important. Vibe is what makes you feel attraction to someone. I always get this ad nauseum feeling when a person will look at your photo on a dating app after you like them and say, we're not a match. They haven't had any conversation with you. They haven't sat across from you in an in a organic setting, but they can just look at the picture or something and say, we're not a match. It's the most ad nauseum statement that I've ever heard people use. In fact, I was tell this funny story. I had a woman like my profile. She actually liked it, sent me a message. said, John, I really like your pictures or something about my profile. I'm like, thank you. So I asked her this question. This was my question. I said, I forgot what her name was. I'll just say Heidi. I said, Heidi, I really liked your profile as well. What is one of your most um, proudest accomplishments you've done in your life? And I referenced it to something that she had talked about in her profile. You know what she wrote back? She wrote back, I don't think we're a match. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I asked the question about your, you know, tell me about one of your proudest moments and you can determine we're not a match by that question. Amazing. I mean, psychologists will be out of business. And so will a lot of life coaches. I mean, wow. And what that tells me is people have gotten so addicted to these apps. They've lost the ability to even 
think that you cannot make such a claim without an organic connection, without a vibe. And that's one of the headwinds with dating apps as well. In the Whole Foods example, if I went to the produce area and I started talking to Jessica, yeah, there I'm seeing her body language, I'm getting the vibe from her nonverbal cues. Don't get that on a dating app, which is why you've got to meet. You can't get all this incessant texting gets you nowhere. I always tell people, get off the app as soon as you can with that person and meet face-to-face. I think coffee shops are great because you can have a conversation. But if you do meet someone on the app that you like, it's just best to set that data, give each other your, your phone numbers, turn the app off. And here's the other thing I did. This is another way of kind of bypassing that paradox of choice is a lot of dating apps will send notifications to your email. You know, they'll, they'll tell you, look, you've got a like, you've got someone sending you a message. So I have Gmail for all of my regular email. What I did was I set up a Yahoo email account that was only for the dating app. So I could turn that app off as well because no email went to it except from the dating app. So now I have no access to any notifications or any information from that dating app while I'm trying to get to know this single person. It's just as if I had met them at Whole Foods or I met them at a party or I met them organically. I cut off the app completely, including email notifications. Because if you don't do this, you become like Barry Schwartz talks about in the book. You become addicted to this paralysis. You can't make a decision. And especially when it comes to organically connecting to human beings, you just start to see everyone the same. These profiles all start looking the same, sounding the same, photos look the same. No one stands out because you're swiping so much. It really becomes, it dulls the senses and you lose that sense of, is anyone really connecting with me out there? No, because you're not taking steps to connect as you would if you met them organically. You know, and I think your point is so good. After you and I talked, uh, you know, a week or so ago, John, I, I Googled uh, this this topic and I pulled up a New York Times article. It's from August, I believe, of 2022. It's titled A Decade of Fruitless Searching, The Toll of Dating App Burnout. And in a research done in April of 2022, they found that they, they surveyed 500 uh, uh, people between the ages of 15, or I'm sorry, 18 and 54. And they found that 80%, these are 18 to 54 year old people who are on dating apps, 80% said they have, they are, are or have experienced emotional burnout or fatigue due to the online dating uh, process. And, you know, when you think about, a lot of people out there might think, well, dopamine, well, I got these dopamine rushes. Dopamine is a good thing, right? It is. But too much dopamine is incredibly dangerous because when you, when your brain releases dopamine, over a certain period of time or too much, your body that I think it, the chemical released from your brain is then cortisol to, to cortisol to, to, mm-hmm. to counteract the dopamine. So when you have too much, I'm going to call it fake dopamine rushes um, based on likes and loves and swipe, all the good things that you think are happening, same with drinking alcohol or drugs, then over the course of your day, your brain doesn't have enough dopamine to find happiness and the other things that you once found happiness in. So if you're, because you become reliant on these clicks and these likes and these, you know, people, uh, you know, approaching you on the dating apps, Hey, it's it's great. Why, what, what, why shouldn't I do something that makes me feel good? Well, because too much feeling good turns out to be feeling bad for the rest of your day. You know, yeah, it's like it's, when you drink too much alcohol, alcohol feels great when you're drinking it. 
But then what happens is, is over the course of years of drinking too much, you don't find happiness in the things that you once found happiness in, the laughter of a child, the leaves falling in the fall, the snow coming down, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the smell of, of, the, of the turkey on Christmas morning or whatever. You don't find as much happiness in there because your brain is adjusted to looking for dopamine releases in certain things and not in others. So it can be a very, very slippery slope. It is a great article. I haven't read that one in full, but I will touch on one the New York Times had published a couple of years ago, which they did a longitudinal study of people on dating apps. And one woman in particular, her story just caught my attention. She had been on 700 dates over three years. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, no, seven years. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. She was on 700 dates in seven or eight years. So with 700 different people? Yes. Over the course of almost seven years. So let's say 100 people per year. And, you know, they, they interviewed her and she was just so out of it that I've just not met my match. And I'm thinking, you've gone on dates with 700 people. It's, it, 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 again, that paradox of choice kicks in. And here's the, the piece of why I stress this whole whole food solution. First dates with dating apps are like blind dates. They really are. And here's why. Because, yes, you've seen her photo. You can say, well, it's not a blind date. I did see their picture. But pictures are two-dimensional. They lack all of the nonverbal cues. It's not like meeting in the Whole Foods. Like when I told that you know, fake story of meeting this person in the Whole Foods, I've seen her. I mean, I've seen her. I've seen her. I know what her voice sounds like. I, I've seen some of her body language. I felt her vibe. actually felt it. Watch just read it. Well, that's not a blind date anymore. We were just getting apples and we just struck up a conversation and agreed to meet at a coffee shop for two days. But when you meet someone on a dating app, you see their photo and you have some texting and then you share your phone numbers and you agree to meet at a coffee shop like I did with Jessica back in September, the one I said it was an amazing uh, date. Well, that was still a blind date. I mean, yeah, when she came in, I mean, I thought she looked better than her photos, but still it didn't exactly look like the person in the photos, right? Because photos are two-dimensional. And then the other aspect is you haven't had any nonverbal communication, which is 60% of what we communicate as humans is nonverbal. That's bona fide behavioral science, 70 years of proven. So the auditory piece, the visual piece is 60% of what we communicate. So you have not experienced that on a dating app. So where am I going with this? If you think about every date from a dating app as a blind date, and the first date doesn't go really well, but it doesn't go really bad. You know, it's kind of lukewarm. Like the person wasn't some bozo that traded you rudely and you never want to see them again. It just wasn't the sparks flying, but it wasn't bad. It's a lukewarm date. I highly recommend people to give that person another chance because we're all nervous. I was when I were, I would go on these first dates from dating apps. I was nervous. I wasn't like top of my game. It's awkward. You're trying to stumble through those initial, you know, hi, I'm John. And yeah, I remember you. Yeah, we've been messaging. You know, it's like, it is uncomfortable. But if I get together with Jessica, the person that I fictionally met at Whole Foods in two days, well, we already met. We already talked. We had the vibe. You know, it's not the blind date conundrum, you see. So I think people sometimes write off people very quickly because why? Well, they're on the first date, it's not going it's like it's not like the show The Bachelor. It's not perfect. It's not just sparks flying and all this. And they're saying to themselves, but I got four or five other people who just messaged me. I've got more dates flying death in the app. This one isn't going super great. Okay, bye. See ya. We're not a match. And they write off what could be an amazing relationship down the road because they didn't give it a chance. So I think that's the other sidebar to this is 
unless the date's really bad, give it give it more of a chance. Stay honest, the app, try to get to know that person. If the second date doesn't go well, then you can jettison and and, and pull the, the rip coins on like this site. But you know, it's it's really important to think, think about the fact that this is a blind date that you're going on and give that person some flexibility. I think that's a great point. You know, I and I think what happens with the dating apps as you as we were as you were talking, I think with your pro your approach of the whole foods um solution is that it stops us or at least um to some degree dissipates the second that that um that uh what was I, I had the word I was the phrase that was the word I was trying to say uh, second guessing. You know, and we talked about this, John. You know, you and I are both avid readers. And when I go to a massive bookstore, whether it was, you know, Barnes and Noble or the old the Powell's bookstore out in Portland, Oregon, which said that it was the largest bookstore in the world at one point, you go in there and, you know, I can even go to the genre I'm looking for, whether it's, you know, business or philosophy or or, you know, sometimes horror or historical fiction, whatever. I'm still I don't care what genre and section of the bookstore I'm in. There are thousands of options. And it, it takes me forever to pick a book. And then when I do find one to walk out, I'm second guessing the whole time. And then I, even as I'm reading it, I'm wondering, oh, that other book that I had in my hand before I walked out that I was looking at and I put down, I wonder if that would be better. Because like in dating, reading a book, the beginning is awkward. You're getting to know the characters, the plot, it's, you know, you're not into it yet. So you're second guessing. But when I go to, like, we, you know, as you and I talk, when I'm in, a, in an airport, I run into an airport bookstore and, you know, you, you don't have the selection. You don't have the options. You don't have the paradox of choice. There aren't 122 mustards on the shelf. There are a handful. And you pick a book and you walk out happy. And I almost inevitably love reading that book, whatever it is, whatever genre, because I don't have, I'm not second guessing. And, and I didn't realize that until you and I spoke, you know, uh, in, in the past week or two. That that was my problem when I was in the dating world. Like I didn't think about it. Like I wasn't comparing the person I was dating, or I think I only went on two ever dates in my life, maybe three total, and that was like eighteen years ago. And two of them became we dated for you know three four months. Um, but I don't think I was consciously thinking, well, this person isn't as this, or and comparing them to someone else. But in my subconscious mind, I knew I had other options back there. I could go back and click and swipe and do my likes and whatever and strike up other conversations or go to my phone and start texting again women that I was, you know, had previous tech previously texted with. I could do that. And I think there's a danger to that. There is a big danger to that. Um, so I think I like the Whole Foods thing. So you're saying don't get off dating sites if that's your if that's what you're choosing. It's more use them effectively and use them in a healthy manner. If you go on a date and a connection, close the uh, the um Close the app, get it off, close up the app. Is that what you said? I don't. Yeah. You just turn it off. Turn off the app. You want to focus on that one person. You don't know what the argument against this is, but you don't know if that's going to turn into a relationship. Well, you don't know if you meet them organically at a party or at Whole Foods either. You have to get to know them. And with you get to know them without all that clutter in your head, like your point about the book is perfect. Every time I'm in an airport and I go into an airport bookstore, I find a book I like. Because they only have like the top books. There's only a few in the little turnstile right, or carousel thing. And, you know, you can get a book really quick. Or as when I walk in Barnes and Noble, it's like overwhelming. I rarely walk out with a book. Uh, and so that's a great analogy. I love that with the, the bookstore thing, you know, versus the bookstore of like the Barnes and Noble versus the, the, the airport kiosk. 
The other thing we have to think about is the knock-on effect. At least is the last thing I'll talk about uh, with, with respect to dating apps. You know, technology consolidates everything. It creates a winner-takes-all approach. What do I mean by that? 90% of search is one company, Google. Okay? 80% of social, Meta. Okay? Dating apps have gotten to be the same way because of the way the technology is and the way that they're set up. you got 46 men buying for the same four women on Tinder. Okay? It's a competitive thing, and it works the other way. So you got 50 women vying for the top 1% of men on Batch or on eHarmony or on Bumble. It's the same thing. That creates a highly competitive landscape that puts a huge number of people at disadvantage who don't have the ability to signal the resources. What do they mean by that? Well, I don't live in a posh Manhattan penthouse, okay, because that's their signal of resources. Look where I live. I live in Manhattan and up in this beautiful uh, sky rise, right? Sky in, or and even Beverly Hills, or I live in downtown Boston. So they're signaling, I got lots of resources. Look at my picture of my Rolex watches and my beautiful cars and all this sort of thing. And then the kindness and intelligence piece, they can't really convey that as much, but it doesn't matter because they're signaling all the resources, they're garnishing all the attention of the few percent of men and women. And then what happens to the bulk of people, they're kind of pushed way back down and they have no chance at all. So the dating app is also created this, this whole idea of the knock-on effect, which is just basically the person that can signal the most resources wins. And it doesn't matter if you're kind, empathetic, and great person, and you can't do that, so you're pushed way down the totem pole. And it creates an imbalance, huge imbalance. So again, I come back to this. If you're using a dating app and you want to meet a quality person, they all are great people out there. There are amazing people on dating apps. I mentioned this person I met back in September. This date was off the charts amazing. Um, you know, and they work. They really do work. However, if you just think about that all food solution, if you're on there and you connect with somebody and, you're, and you exchange phone numbers, you've agreed to me. I highly recommend remove the app from your phone. Have no nothing to do with that app until you see where that that. Uh, interaction goes with that person that you meet. Because let's say it gets to the first date and it goes well, and then the second and the third, all of a sudden you could find yourself in a great relationship and you never went back on the app again. You didn't have all distraction. You didn't have the paradox of choice kicking you in the butt. You didn't have the dopamine hits going on in your brain that keeps you uh, asphyxiated to this thing. And you get out of that addictive doom loop, you could actually find that there's a lot of great people that you're compatible with. I mean, that woman who went on 700 dates over seven years, I don't even sure. Had she turned the app off? There had to be one of those 700 men that was compatible with her that could have resulted in a great long-term relationship. It's all about using the app effectively and realizing that these are addictive. Apps are designed this way because, let's face it, most of these dating apps, almost all of them are for-profit companies, okay? Match, Bumble, eHarmony. Tinder, Hinge, they make money from what? You swiping right. Okay, that's how they make money. They want you on the app. They want you buying those things that get your profile in a more, you know, prestigious part of the app. You know, you know how it all works. You can buy likes. You can buy this and that. These are for-profit companies, okay? Yeah, do they want you to meet someone? They say they do, but they want you to spend money. Let's just be called the kettle black here. Okay, so think about that as well when you're using these apps. They're for-profit companies. They want you on there. Use these ways that Brian and I have talked about because they will work. It, it's a proven behavioral issue that this 
paradox of choice plagues us not just in dating, but like Brian said, even buying a book. The more choices we have, the less uh, less of the ability we have to to pick the one that's right for us. So this has been a great conversation, mm-hmm. Brian. I so appreciate you having me on the show, and hopefully this helps somebody out there. Just remember whole food solution treat someone you meet on a dating app like you met at whole foods turn the thing off get to know that one person don't have anyone else going on messaging you and you might find you'll start off 2024 in a really awesome new relationship this has been a i think an incredibly necessary conversation and material that you brought up john and i think it goes beyond dating for anybody out there i think i, I i'm thinking of just even as we were talking thinking about me flipping through Amazon Prime, Apple, Hulu, or Netflix at night, or, or HBO Max, looking for a movie to watch. You know, I, I seldom settle on a movie um, or a documentary because I'm thinking, oh, there's another one. I kind of really want to watch that one too. It's like, once you choose, turn the other out. You know, it's almost the old adage of burn the bridge behind you. Uh, you know, that mm. when, you're, when, you, when you go across the, 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 the canyon, burn the bridge behind you, at least short term. So you only can go forward for a while. Don't keep going back and forth over that same damn bridge. And I think another thing, too, when it comes to dating is, you know, we, we are always told, don't go shopping when you're extremely hungry. You know, it, because you buy a lot of shit you, would, you don't need. You know, you put stuff in your cart that you will sit in your, in your, most of it's junk food. And I think, and I'm not saying that people who use dating apps are desperate or hungry. I don't mean that. We're all, if you're dating, you are hungry to find love. You're hungry to find romance or, or whatever you're seeking. But, you know, when you are on a dating app, you are much more proactively doing it. Then if you just put yourself out there in the, in the, in the world and you meet somebody, as you said, the Whole Foods uh, at Whole Foods. And I don't know how you can start up a conversation with somebody over apples at Whole Foods. John, you got to write a book just on that. I thought of something else. I just want to mention this before we close this out. It just came to mind and in and this is um, something I don't know if many people have even heard this term, but we've, a lot of us have heard the term sapiosexual, which means you're drawn to someone not just by their physical appearance, but also their intelligence, right? Again, going back to those three things that people like to convey on dating apps, which is signaling their ability to deliver resources, that they're intelligent, and that they're coming. But there's another piece that's really important. I'm sure you've been in romantic relationships. You're going to know this. So as I mentioned it, it's probably the bedrock of any relationship, and that is the demisexual aspect. The demisexual is the emotional connection. So that's the part that is so important for any romantic relationship to survive. It has to have a strong demisexual base. What that means is is we've connected emotionally and we've established common ground in a lot of things, our values, our virtues, our ambitions, who we are, things that matter to us. When we can share those, with someone else and we find congruency, that demisexual bond is what makes things really take off. It's not the photos. It's not the way you wrote your profile and you described all these things in 200 words or less. No, it's demisexual connections take time to develop. They don't happen overnight. They don't happen after one date or even two or five dates. This is like a slow uh, cooker. It's more like a crock pot. You know, it's something that takes all day to cook, not just in a microwave in 35 seconds. People forget this. In a lot of dating apps, it's all focused on how nice to make your photo and how glamorous to make your 200 words if they give you to write in your little profile box. 
that's not going to tell you a whole lot about the demisexual aspects that another person could bring into your life. So if you don't take the time to turn the app off and get to know them organically over several meetups, if the first one is okay, but not really great, you might find that, wow, I have found a real treasure here. Someone that shares my common values and virtues. You're not going to figure that out from reading their, like I said, 200 word profile and looking at some photos. That's not going to happen. Demisexual is really, really important. And many people forget this. They just focus on how the person made them feel because their photos were so glamorous, whatever. No, that's not going to carry a relationship very far. That's a great point. And call it what it is. I think most swipe, whatever likes you get on Facebook, or I mean, I'm sorry, on a lot of these apps, most of them are due to your picture. They Most of them probably don't even read your profile. They might glance at it real quickly. And so it's not even uh, shallow. It's extremely shallow for a lot of these likes. And, and I think that may be more true for men than women because men are more visual. Women are more, uh, will probably have a more likelihood to read the profile, but they're not going to read the profile unless the picture intrigues them first. And what a shallow way to look at something, uh, to look at how you're going to determine the future person you spend your life with, but just based on a two-dimensional picture, which may or may not be indicative of what they really do look like anyway. And it certainly is indicative of their emotional state and their morals and values and character and how fun they are and how they make you laugh or feel. So great point, mm -hmm. John. Um, I want to wrap it up by finishing just what I was saying is when you, one of the things I think when you're dating either way is don't shop when you're extremely hungry. Meaning what I mean by that is if you're in the scene of dating, the best thing you can do for yourself, the best way you can find your true love and your true connection is come to the table, already have eaten, fulfilled in your own life. What I mean by that is make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you are doing the proper exercise, the proper things that take care of you, nutrition, uh, whatever it is, uh, d uh, you know, prayer, meditation reading, um, therapy, uh, you know, whatever it might be, journaling. Make sure when you come to that table, you come as the best version of yourself. So the in that way, you'll be able to find a person who truly deserves you, not a person you feel like, oh, I kind of have to, I really probably should date this person because I don't know if I'm good enough. Make sure you know when you come to the table, you are good enough and you are the best you can be, that you feel good about yourself. Because that, you know, so often I think when we date, we are looking for somebody to, to fill a gap in our lives. You know, fill your own gaps and make sure when you find that person, that person has filled, filled his or her own gaps. Or at least you're both doing that at the same time. Because I think if you could, you know, the, I think when you're in there and you're confident of who you are and you feel like, my gosh, I really, really do like myself. In fact, I kind of love myself when I look at myself in the mirror in the morning. I love who I am or who I'm becoming. That's when you come to the dating world with a great deal more to offer to that person, but more importantly to yourself, and you're less likely to settle. So I think you know there's a lot of elements to this, and I think this has been a great show. Uh, I'm glad I had John. And John, what's your next step? You you wrote the book Link about connections and relationships. Now you're going into this this study of dating apps. Any thoughts on books on that? Oh, thank you, Brian. I'm actually going to re-release, like it went out of print in 2019. So that's my goal for 2024 is to re-release it and update it because the book is 11 years old and it needs a little refresh. 
And I'm also uh, considering issuing sort of a mini book on this topic, on how to re-engineer the dating app, like a 100-page book, something easy to read. And so if all goes well, that should uh, come to play in 2024. And uh, again, just want to help people uh, use these things. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They do work. You can be wonderful people. Uh, I certainly have, and hopefully use them in a way that will foster greater and more uh, meaningful romantic uh, connections. Will you please let us know when you re-release Link and if you release the, the, the smaller book on dating apps? Because I'd like to make sure we get we can get this connection. I know Link is still on Amazon. It's a 4.6 star rating, which is incredibly high. But because it's not, it's it, it's out of print right now. That it, it is higher. It's the price is probably higher than most people are willing to pay. But when it gets re-released, it'll go back down to its original price. Uh, so can you please please let us know, and I'll tell the, I'll, I'll make sure that we uh, get that out to the Bamboo Pack audience. We still very well. Thank you, Brian. Hey, brother. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming back on. Um, I'm glad we were able to do this. I think this will help a lot of people out there who are just struggling with the dating app scene or just dating in general, or maybe even just the paradox of choice as a whole. I would recommend uh, Schwartz's book on the paradox of choice. I read it several years ago. I found a great deal of choice in it or a great deal of value in it. And if I can, I'll include a link to that book on the on the bottom of the notes, as well as a link to the New York Times article I, I cited here. Uh, John, Love you, brother. I hope you and your family have an incredible holiday season. It will be in touch over the next couple of weeks. But uh, thank you again for being such an amazing guest on the Bamboo Lab podcast. Love you, Brian. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Hey, everybody out there. Happy holidays to you all. As you probably noticed, we haven't been putting out episodes every week. We've been a lot more selective lately. We've been really, I've been really gearing up for 2024. We have some big things coming in 24 that we're not quite ready to announce regarding the podcast. Uh, but 24 will be, an, if you think 22 and 23 were good, 24 is going to be a next level for the Bamboo Lab podcast as we're working on a, on a few slight turns as well as a few major advances. So anyway, thanks everybody. Please, everybody get out there, strive to give and be your best, show love and respect to the people around you. And please, by all means, live intentionally and enjoy the journey. I love you all.